welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken and Brian, special guest star. Hello. <laughs> Episode recorded April 7th, 2016. Well, welcome, Brian, back to the show. It's been a long time. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, I miss you guys. Good to be too back. Long. Too long. I know, I know. How did that happen? I don't know. But. So back when we first started, when we hit about the one-year mark, we tried to do kind of like a viewer's choice thing, and it was the first episode you were on, and you said, what storylines would you be interested in doing? And you said, DC Comics Volume 1, right? That, that was, that's your favorite. Absolutely. Favorite time, right? Absolutely. This is the, the ones you guys are doing, we're doing right now is uh, my absolute favorite Star Trek comics. Although I have cool. to say, I'm liking the, some of the IDW stuff. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, more complex, um, and they have a lot more to work with, of course, because at this time... You know, there wasn't as much Trek to, to draw from. But, yeah, I really felt this one was um, well done. Cool. And you're okay with no Enterprise? You know, I am, and I was when it happened, when it came out, because I appreciated the fact that they were trying to be consistent with the films. Right. And, you know, it was like we didn't have any Trek, um, you know, except for we had the animated series, which kind of got us through. And then there was the first movie, and there was all the hubbub about that. And then after the second movie, there was all this excitement because the second movie was, was so good. Um, and that's when – wasn't it after the second movie that the, this line started? Right. Yep. Um, right after. And I was very surprised and thrilled that they took it right from kind of that period, which I thought was an interesting move. Um, no Spock, you know. And then uh, they integrated that into the third movie and they found their own way to have Spock come back. But, of course, they'd lost the Enterprise. Yeah. So that was actually harder uh, to have at first. You know, I can remember like, what? That was on the Excelsior? <laughs> you know, come on. Oh, you can't do that. Um, but that, you know, but, but they were doing it because that's what they had to work with. And so I had a certain respect for it. Right. Right. And it was kind of cool seeing Captain Spock every once in a while doing his thing. Yeah. His I thought show. that was a great. So that was good. Yeah. yeah. That was a good, you know, I, I liked the way they sort of brought it back and they did their own thing. Um, with Spock's, you know, re- recovery after Star Trek Three, and of course that brings us to the the very subject that these three issues are all about, which is, you know, now they're they're telling their own stories, they've got their own storyline, their own characters, and there's a new movie coming out, mm-hmm. and that movie is going to contradict lots of the things that they have set up. So, what do they have to do? Exactly. How do they, they reset it, retrue it? They have to the undo everything. And, you know, going back, remembering that when, when I first read these, you know, I was back in graduate school, which was a while ago. Um, <laughs> they, at the time, I didn't quite get what was happening because, of course, I didn't know what the fourth movie would be. And they, they, it worked. Now, when I read it this time through for the purposes of this podcast, it was like, uh, I see what you're doing. You, know, <laughs> you can't fool me. Um, <laughs> but they did it, I think, with a certain respect. That's the whole thing that I felt this 
particular series had was a respect for the show. And, um, and I, I think that was great. Yeah. They yeah. did a good, pretty good job. I thought so. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was a little kind of a simplistic way to do it, but it, they did it over three issues. I was glad they didn't just take one issue and slam it back, you know, everything back. Right. And I'm glad they didn't just reset it, right, and say, oh, we're going to do the adaption for the third movie and then – or fourth movie and not acknowledge anything that happened before, which is what they kind of do uh, right. with volume two where they just kind of reset everything. Right. But they definitely had stories they could have continued with with some of these characters like Bear Claw. Uh, right. Finally, getting over his racism and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I mean, I, I, we talked about it in a few, uh, an episode or two ago, how that whole idea of the commander—I forgot his name—but he was an Andorian who was all set up for another Bear Claw-focused set of issues, and that never happened. Um, right. Well, you know, if you read the what is the name of the book? Um, there's a great book out, which is a series of essays uh, about the comic books. And I'll look it up in a minute. And um, it's really, it's actually a really good read um, if you're into this. And um, and if you're listening, I assume you are. Um, but uh, in that, they, they there's a whole thing about how this they pulled the plug on this DC line, and, and it was true. I remember being a reader, and all of a sudden it was just gone. And I was like, what happened? And they just, I think they had a one in the can that was a, an original series episode that they um, did kind of because they were panicking and DC made all these changes Um, they had to get rid of all when they came back a year or so later it was completely a reboot was it was it DC though because I've always read that it was Paramount that uh, yeah you're right right. those changes you're absolutely right and um, excuse me Um, but they they had to get rid of all their, their characters. They had used some of the animated series characters mm-hmm, in yep. this line. And I love mm-hmm. that. There was Erex and Mress. and oh, right. um, yeah. Why not? And yeah. uh, they couldn't use any of them, couldn't use any of their own characters. And that was what gave this series, I think, heart, was that they integrated it beautifully, but they also took it in their own direction. And look at some of the things they did. I mean, I know it wasn't exactly the same, but Bear Claw, later we had Chicote. And what was the Klingon? What's the name of the Klingon that's on the... Kona? Pro- Cronin. Yep, yep, yep. You know, he's kind of a foreshadow of, of Worf. Yeah. You know, yeah. Klingon, one of the only Klingons in Starfleet. Um, so they, they were really trying. And the bird doctor, Spock's bird doctor. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, I agree with you. May, I, may I, he I, rest in peace. The, the bird doctor, Tweety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. These, these stories are really good. Um, this whole line was good. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Don't the stories kind of go downhill from here, though? I mean, uh, I kind of remember some less than stellar episodes coming up. Because this, this is actually when I started reading. I started reading the books um, probably like in the 40s. So we're getting close to where I started when I got really into Star Trek comics. And I just remember loving the books because it was the only Star Trek we had. But thinking that, uh, you know, the little little too much emphasis on the kids stuff. So when we went back and reread these, I've been surprised on how how great the writing has been for the last 34 issues. Right. We'll be interesting to watch to track that now and see if that's the case if this is the turning point or not. Um I know you know we've got some issues coming up like shore leave and you know uh, where they go skiing and <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that. Um so I don't know. Skiing. Uh, this, wow. This, that sounds like a J.J. Abrams possibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the um, this was the first line that I actually read regularly too. I, I had been really into um, w- when the second film came out, 
and uh, I think I was in college, and that first um, issue, number one, uh, and I can remember, this is, this is what, you know, things were different pre-internet, and I, I actually remember getting excited to go down into the, I used to go into New York City and, uh, and look for when it was going to come out, and I was like, psyched, you know, here I am, 20 years old, and I'm like, oh, they got a new comic book, and I would like, go, <laughs> I'd go back to my dorm room, and I would like read it right away, um, I, you know, that's not the way it is now. You know, now I go down to my uh, comic book store um, and there's a box that they hold stuff in for me. And I might go in like once a month and I grab this whole thing and I throw them, you know, on my desk and maybe I'll read them now and then uh, when I get a chance. It's, it's, a, it's a different vibe, you know. Um, oh, well, you, at least you're still buying cellulose-based issues. I am. I am. I, I, don't, I don't get into reading them online. In fact, I read these three online because you know i didn't want to take them out of their bags <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um so i read these three and, and, and i can do it i just it's, ah. i recently saw um one on my phone for whatever reason i downloaded it and now they're starting to like do little like animation things they're starting to move around and yeah, yeah i was like really motion um, comics yeah i'm not a fan of those yeah it was it was a little distracting i thought are they doing the Star Trek ones that way? I haven't seen Star Trek that way yet. Yeah, I've seen. I saw oh, really? Least... Oh no. Oh no. What IDW? Yeah. Oh, they're they're doing the motion stuff, or are they just doing the panel by panel? No, there was there was actually some little like you know little motions within. Mm-hmm. That's oh, too bad. Interesting. I haven't seen that one. Well, yet. that that could that could be good. I I have one that did that. That was a a, a version of the Watchmen. That was well, but fun. that one was different. But that one, that one was like a little movie where they were doing narration and voices and things like that. Oh um, yeah. Well, but I mean, I've I've read some like Walking Dead or not Walking Dead, but Night of Living Dead stuff and some of the Batman sixty six stuff. Batman sixty six. Yeah. And it's just kind of annoying. <laughs> you have to you have to do a page a page swipe to see their hands suddenly come up or their eyes get really big and you're just like I don't care just want me to read the comic like a normal person. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't think I'm I don't think I'm you know phobic about progress or or technology or anything like that. But I just do really like to still sit down with the book and read it. And you know I used to be um, I, I started one of the things I really loved was after I got into the DC this particular line. I learned about the gold key. I knew it was out there, and I did not know about the Marvel's first disastrous run. You know, and I started to collect them, and that was fun because back in the day, you would have to really work hard to be able to put a collection together. Unlike going on eBay now, and you could probably put a whole gold key collection together in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember carrying a little wrist, uh, list around in my pocket. You'd go to a store in a new city, and you'd have to find the store, which meant you kind of were learning the city. And you'd get there, and it was like a treasure hunt. Right. Um, and that 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 experience isn't doesn't exist anymore, really. You know. Um, anyway, I'm waxing <laughs> nostalgic for you know the good old days, but um, you know it was important. I think that's why this. Not only do I think this was a good run because I thought it was good. There's a certain you know uh, emotional piece to it that I just brings back you know simpler times. Sure. <laughs> cool. Yeah, for me, it's saving up the three quarters in order to buy the issue. And then if I had to get in on a back issue, then you'd go through it and you'd try to, you know, you would have to pick and choose which one you could get because, you know, like the right. uh, the last well, one we so did, far. issue 33, which was the big anniversary issue, you know, that was like five bucks. But five bucks back then was a lot of money, you know, sure. for, for a comic book when you're, you know, a 10-year-old kid. So, <laughs> no, I, t- I, I totally – 
I totally, yeah, exactly. I could probably find three quarters in the sofa cushion, but uh, five was a, a fiver was a little tougher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so today we're going to do issues uh, 34, 35, and 36. And as we said, this is the lead up to Star Trek for the voyage home. So how they so resetting, bringing things back in sync with the uh, next movie. Yeah, I wouldn't say resetting. I, I would say just realigning. But you know what they didn't do, which I appreciate. I mean, they do this a lot in networks. They didn't like have some kind of time vortex or you know uh, alternate reality where suddenly everything that had happened didn't happen, and they you know that 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 would have been an easy out. Well, right? Um, yeah, they didn't. But do they that. but they did have a very uh, handy, which I will not say what it is, but they did have a very handy force of nature. Right. I mean, Which it, it's fine. Obviously, it's it, contrived. They had to do something. It, it's got to be contrived. It, and yeah. But I just appreciated the fact that they didn't undo everything they had done to be able to get it oh. to a place where you could take the story forward. Yeah. Like the infamous next gen reset button. Yeah. 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 You know? Now, you know, here's how they should have ended it just have Spock wake up. At the beginning of Star oh. Trek Four, and say, "Was it a dream? It was all a dream. It was all a dream. <laughs> I had the strangest dream. Captain. It was all a dream, Jr. Life <laughs> is not a dream." <laughs> That's a quote from my favorite Star Trek movie. Yeah, I don't say that. <laughs> I thought life you know, was to, not a dream. To this day, I can't walk down the grocery aisle without say, seeing marshmallows, and in my head, I call them marshmallows. Yeah, yeah, that, is, that was a cute moment. I I always do that every single time. You know, I tried. I when I got the, I think it was when I got the Blu-rays of the original series. I said to myself, "I'm going to pretend like I've never seen Star Trek V, and I'm going to sit down without any any attitude, without any judgment, and I am going to give it, you know, its due." And and I I really did try. <laughs> <laughs> I, I barely got through it. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Well. Uh... You want to go ahead and uh, let's move forward with these issues? Let's do them up. Synopsis away. Okay, so I've got the first one. It is issue number 34. It's titled The Doomsday Bug. Chapter 1, Death Ship. Published date January 1987. Scripter, Len Wein, if I'm pronouncing that right. Artist, Tom Sutton and Ricardo Vilgren. Letterer, Augustin Moss. Colorist, Michelle Wolfman. Editor, Robert Greenberger. The cover appears to be showing the bridge of a starship. Starfleet personnel are strewn about, unconscious. McCoy is attempting to help an unconscious man. Kirk is in the center of the cover holding Spock, who is unconscious. White text proclaims, the doomsday bug. The Excelsior is traveling at transwarp speed in response to a distress signal from Captain Spock's ship, the USS Serac. The Serac is not helping, as it is traveling at maximum warp and transmitting a warning to all other ships to stay away. Sulu informs the captain she is on a course headed for the nearest star. Savik gives it 9 minutes 42 seconds before the Sarek is caught in the star's gravitational field. Worse, the shields are up. So transporting over is impossible. Savik comes up with a way to short-circuit the Sarek shields from the Excelsior, but it will only last a moment. They execute the dangerous plan and successfully beam 
an away team in spacesuits over to the Serac. Scotty is able to override the automatic controls, and Sulu alters course away from the star just in time. McCoy finds Spock, barely conscious and apparently delirious based on what he is saying. He is telling McCoy in a weak voice the Sarek must fly into the sun. Do not alter course, or the universe is doomed. Later, Kirk beams over to the Serac and joins McCoy in sickbay. McCoy reports that so far, Spock appears to be the sole survivor. The rest of his crew is dead, Jim. It's Spock's strange hybrid constitution that has allowed him to survive so far. But survive what? Spock is unconscious and can't tell us. Kirk has the idea to go through Spock's captain's log. On the bridge, Sulu plays the most recent series of entries back. The Serac had come upon an Occam Class 6 freighter ship. The ship does not respond to hails, and sensors detect life forms aboard. Spock leads an away team to the ship, where they find dead Tellarites all over the place. They finally find one person still alive, a nasty-looking half-delirious Andorian. They bring him back to the Sarek for treatment. Dr. Chickenman who does not know what to make of the Andorian, so paralyzed with fear, nor does he know what killed the Tellarite crew. To find out, they make preparations to beam several of the dead crew's bodies to the Sarek, where they plan to perform autopsies on them. Before they can do it, the freighter blows up without warning. McCoy comments that the timing of the freighter's explosion is convenient. Meanwhile, on the Excelsior, Ohura is receiving word from Admiral Cartwright that relations with the Romulan Empire have broken down. They are on the brink of war. The Admiral orders them to go to Yellow Alert and recall their captain. As ranking officer on the bridge, Ohura takes the con, orders the ship to Yellow Alert, and contacts the captain. She says she could get used to this being at the con thing. After receiving word from Ohura, Kirk orders Bryce to continue playing the logs. They need to wrap this up and get back to the Excelsior. Spock's log reports crewmen starting to fall ill and eventually dying. Dr. Chusa is at a loss as to the cause. The doctor succumbs. Spock is sick now, too. There is a pathogen on board that is causing it. Spock realizes he can't let it spread. He sets course for a nearby star. That will stop the pathogen from spreading in the unlikely event he can't find a solution to this problem. At least the universe will be safe. Spock returns to sickbay to find the sick Andorian is gone from sickbay. He falls to the ground, too weak to get back up again. McCoy says Spock had the right idea. Kirk decides to set the Serac back on its course into the nearby sun. But first, they have to find the carrier of this disease, that frightened Andorian. McCoy says sensors say he's not aboard. Scotty reports a shuttlecraft is missing. After setting the ship on course for the star, they beam back to the Excelsior with Spock. They all go through a sterilization protocol, and Spock goes into an isolation-slash-life chamber that was put together by Dr. Umbega. They witness the USS Sarek burn up in the star's radiation and have a moment of silence for the brave crew who died in the line of duty. 
Kirk relieves Uhura and takes the con. Bryce and Konam report they located the shuttle. The Andorian must have accidentally hit the emergency beacon. Kirk orders pursuit course, but is told the Andorian is heading directly into the heart of Romulan space. With the Romulan Empire and the Federation at the brink of war, that is the last place they should be heading. Kirk says they have to get to the ship before more can be infected. Kirk orders pursuit course, maximum warp. With a smile on his face, Sulu punches it. Not long after entering Romulan space, they are surrounded by three Romulan ships. A channel is opened between Kirk and the Romulan commander. Kirk says they are not here for a fight. The Romulan commander says, why else would a Federation ship be in Romulan space? The Romulan commander bellows, this means war! To be continued. Okay, so maybe the accent wasn't quite right, but you get the idea. Right, but the first thing I have to say, Ken, is now, who is the doctor? Not, ah, not, not... Dr. Chicken Man? No, no, the other doctor, the doctor that's on the Excelsior. What was his name? Uh, uh, not McCoy, but his, McCoy. his other one. Oh, Umbega. Yeah, you know who that is, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's sure. from the TV show. Doctor there you Umbega. go. Yeah. I thought it was Mumbega. I, I, I thought it was Umbega. But, oh. yeah. So was he on the Enterprise, or... Yeah, he's in two yeah. episodes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. I did not know that. He's one of the few few character recurring characters. You know, that was the other one, Riley, that had like two yeah, he episodes. he was on for a while. Yeah. In the early, in the first season. I thought you were talking about Dr. Chicken. No, no, no. Dr. Chicken, you know, God bless him. I'm going to miss him. Yeah, well, it's kind of you know when he when he <laughs> fell apparently went. ill. I mean, he's apologizing. You know, it's a Spock. I'm sorry <laughs> I failed you. And it's like, oh, that's you know, well, that's pretty cool. Right. I mean, you look like a chicken, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> but when you think about the fact that basically, you know, as we talked about, this whole thing is set up so that they can reset everything. So sorry, man, we're going to save Spock because you know. He gets to survive, but the rest of you, we got to shoot you into the sun. Sorry. <laughs> well, I know the entire crew, and I never liked the first officer. Yeah, but, but she never had a chance to redeem herself. I mean, she's she's yeah. kind of been like kind of like Bearclaw, where she was kind of racist, you know, calling him a half breed. But right. she also sometimes does the right thing. So you're like, she's turning around. She's going to be a good character later, right? And then just all of a sudden, just. Completely wipe them all out. The whole the whole crew. I yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't like Brinks that much, but you know you could tell she was going to be a redemption case. Uh, then the Scottish the, the Scottish looking middle aged guy who was the helmsman. The helmsman. Yeah, I, I like him. Uh, I mean, he should have been the executive officer, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, all dead, all dead. Yeah. All... <laughs> yeah, and what kind of virus is this that it just kills everybody, every species that's on that ship except for Spock. Yeah, well, well yeah. They, and they it doesn't kill everybody, that. as we find out. But yes, in this, everybody dies well, they, except for Spock. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a huge spoiler for anybody. But it, they, they do kind of explain later that the virus seems to affect each species differently. Yeah, and so right. Spock being however, unique. However, Chicken Man must be close enough to a human that he <laughs> dies. <laughs> <laughs> right, and we've seen, especially on the Excelsior, all the different 
you know, they they have a Horta on the on board and all other kinds of <laughs> all other kinds. So you would think that there's more than just Chicken you mean, Man. On you mean your... Officer Potato Head? <laughs> yeah. Officer Pizza Face. His name, but yes. <laughs> but but my point is is that I just find it hard to believe that everybody on this ship, with the exception of Spock, it affects them by killing them, except yeah. for the original Andorian. And we see Andorians all over the place. I, I can't remember ever seeing one on the Surak, but is are, are we positive that there wasn't ever another Andorian on here? Well, apparently they all died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just seemed like that was a, a little too quick to just kill everybody off. Yeah. Well, that, that they, was, you know, they, yeah. they, were, they had three issues. You know, we're on the clock. Let's go. That's right. That's right. Got to get rid of the Surak crew. Okay. Check next. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You can't have them off doing their own thing once once no. back to the Enterprise. <sighs> did, it, did either of you guys think like the very opening um, it was awfully evocative of Operation Annihilate, the episode from the original series? Yeah, I didn't think of that one, but Where I the... was. I was thinking of naked, n- naked time, naked space, whatever the, whatever the second yeah. episode was. The naked, I, I think it was. Uh, was it? I think it was naked if it, time. If you're, talk, if you're talking about that's the, the second disease. episode, of Next Generation. That's the Naked Now, which is the sequel to the no. original well, Naked Time. The right. sequel or the ripoff? Either well, way, I'm, I'm trying to be kind here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, okay. So brief. There was a lot of. Well, let's just do the same story, but with a new crew going on the first season. I'm glad they got away from that. Anyway. Yeah, I, I think they were trying to establish themselves. So they were trying to, you know, they, they think they used the word Jim Kirk when Riker is looking up old records about what had happened once before. And, you know, they were just trying to make a connection. Right. It was, it, it was definitely lame, but it was, uh, there it was. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah. So like, in that but, case, but it was a disease that was affecting the crew. But Operation Annihilate starts yeah. with, I think that's the right one, um, yeah. a, a, the bats, somebody who's the... going crazy and he flies the ship into the sun so that he can be free. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. Exactly. You know, and moments before it happens, because it's the brightness of the sun, I think, that he is free and then he incinerates. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, just I, when I first, I was like, we've seen this before. <laughs> but Wow. I wasn't I, thinking of that I one. I forgot but... about that. But I was really thinking that this was going to be the comic books version of the sequel to uh, Naked Time at first until they just killed everybody off. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess they're not injecting them with water this time or <laughs> however it was that they fixed right. it. Well, they used to have the disease of the week, Miri disease. Right. That was everyone became old in an episode. Right. Disease. Yep. <laughs> Well, and, and after all those experiences, wouldn't you think they would have maybe thought of that before they, they beamed over? You know, I agree with that. I just I kind of like, you know, especially Spock of all, you know, you think that that just seemed like a no precaution. But I guess they do it all the time, too. We're saying that because they actually did find some kind of virus or bacteria. But, the, yeah, there should be better protocols, you know? Yeah. But well, when you have and, a transporter that can do the bio screening or whatever, you should yeah. never, ever get sick again. Yeah, that, that that was a Deus ex machina, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Well, I mean, it, it, it's in the old show too. I mean, they they talked about biofilters and stuff. That's right. Nice. Makes the old people young again. Yeah. Oh, that's the Pulaski episode. Yep. Yep. That's a good one. Well, if you, have a, if you got <laughs> a transporter, 
<laughs> and if you actually keep around the records of <laughs> like five years ago when you were transporting around, it seems like you could turn back the, uh, the hands of time a little bit. You could do a little cosmetic surgery there too, couldn't I you? Think so. <laughs> I've had work done. No, it's a transporter. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, the spacesuits I thought were kind of interesting. They they look like the uh, motion picture a little bit with the big handle or something in the front. Yeah. I guess that's Star Trek 2 that had that. That was also on 2, yeah. yeah. That was one of the things that carried over from the first to the second movie, one yeah. of the few things. Yeah, Khan had to be able to, to pick, grab, check, what, pick check off. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I never forget the things. <laughs> well, odds are you wouldn't have met him, but okay. Right, he wasn't on the ship when you were there. Exactly. Yeah, this, is, this, is an old, this is an old discussion, boys. Yes, it, it's a very old discussion. I, I, I guess Khan must have made his way into engineering. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, that, very smart that, <laughs> that the Excelsior crew said, you know, maybe we should wear spacesuits this time. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good plan. Yeah. We don't really know what's going on, but eh, let's be on the safe side. <laughs> so I got a question. When they were showing the transporter room, uh, were you guys getting a gold key vibe? Because the transporter room looks almost like it did in the gold key, where it's this huge, like, I don't know, dome thing. And then it, it's actually showing the beams of light coming down. Uh, I mean, it's just a the way they're visualizing it, but it to me it really reminded me of the gold key where it looks nothing like the TV show. You almost expect like a, do- uh, a glass dome around it or something. Oh, I see your point. Um, well, this is I the Excelsior. Did not get that too. vibe. Right. Oh, what? This is the Excelsior. Right. So, oh, great. so how often the... do you see? Good point. It is the transporter of the future. Oh, like everything else. The Great Experiment. We need to go inter- interdimensional traveling. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's use the engines. They're wonderful. They do everything. And, you know, in these comics, they're trying nobly, since they have the, uh, the Excelsior, they're trying nobly to use transwarp drive. It doesn't, doesn't really work. I don't get it, you know, when they're, when they're using that term. Like, what does that mean, really? They're implying that it's much faster than yeah, much faster than warp, but that just doesn't make any sense. Well, did they, did they say like trans warp twelve or something at one point? Yeah, I, was I, that, is that supposed to be? I think I thought... ten was the highest they go in these three issues. Ah, yeah. Okay. Well. But in the past, they have gone like twelve and fourteen and whatever okay. else. Arbitrary okay. number. It was in the days when they just felt they just had to ratchet up the numbers. Well, the whole thing about 10 and you can't actually get to 10, you know, you can get to 9.9999, but you can never get there. That all came with Next Generation. Yeah, that's not Yeah, That's right. Right. Well, you can get to 10, but you turn into a a lizard. A salamander. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that is the worst episode of any Star Trek ever. And I'll even even put that down on worse than uh, Spock's brain. That's pretty bad. That is pretty uh, bad. bad. It's not as bad. It's not. It's better than Spock's brain. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't it's think. Like, I don't know. That's what they had to do in order to have the captain and Chakotay get it on was turn him into lizards. Come on. No, it was. It wasn't Chakotay. <laughs> it was Paris. It was what? Janeway and Paris that got it on. Um, made little lizard babies that they just left. <laughs> 
which I found funny. I, I maybe have to watch that again. I recently watched an episode of Voyager just randomly, and and I thought I haven't. You know, I watched the show when it was on, and sure. that now is what how many twenty years ago? A long time. And, ago. Uh, yeah. I was like, I gotta rewatch this stuff. It, I, I, you- I wasn't. I wasn't as obsessed with with Voyager. Uh, I, I watched them. Um, I was pretty busy in my life around then, but I'm seeing like um, these different ships that are coming up because they've got like ships they're they're selling big collection of Starfleet ships and things like that. And I'm seeing some of the companies like I don't recognize this one. And they come with a comic book, or not a comic book, but a book. And then you read about the history of the ship and like the episodes they were in and things like that. I never saw this episode, or else I don't remember it. It's like. There's some pretty interesting things that went on in Voyager. I got, I got to go back and so watch. So are they alien ships or Federation ships? No, Federation ships. Okay. Yeah. Like there's one with uh, with a kind of, I don't know, a, a little bit more of a, almost like an Indian, uh, an arrowhead. An arrowhead kind of shaped the saucer section. And I forgot the name <laughs> of the ship. Oh, the but... Praxis or whatever? Whatever the time ship was? Oh, no, it wasn't a time ship. That was a different one. <laughs> Okay. No, th- this one looks a little bit more like a conventional, uh, like a starship. But mm. anyway, the main point is I don't remember ever seeing that episode with that uh, with that Federation starship. So right. it, anyway, I-, I thought that I mean, as far as just different ships, I thought uh, Deep Space Nine during the big uh, Dominion War. They would have all these great shots of all these different Federation ships, and a lot of them you'd never even seen before, just kind of in the background. And, and I always really enjoyed those those scenes where you're just like, what is that ship? I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And, and then it just blows up in the background, and you'll never see it again. <laughs> but, and, I mean, I, I always thought that was cool that they just are, churned are, them out. Are any of those overlapping? Because if you really take a close look at First Contact, you know, in the at the beginning of the movie – the Borg fight, Borg cube fight. There's a bunch of ships we never saw before. Um, and the Steamrunner class, the Akira class, <laughs> um, the Defiant, of course. But in that movie, and I didn't realize this. I, mean, I saw, oh, I never saw that one before. But really, now I'm learning a little bit more about these ships. A lot of these ships were special made uh, attack craft. I mean, they were specifically defi- designed to fight the Borg, a threat like the Borg, you know, so not exploratory ships, but dedicated attack vessels, which is not traditional Star Trek. And it's like, I didn't even realize all this. Um, but yeah. Hmm. Do you guys know that? I did not. I knew that the, um, defiant was made that way. I didn't. Exactly. And, and and there's multiple ships that are made with that kind of idea in mind. Huh? In fact, the, the Akira class, Starship is uh, is mainly a tor- you know uh, a quantum torpedo ship. It has a uh, a bunch of launchers all around it. It's very formidable. Supposedly no phasers though. It's a torpedo. It just anyway whatever. I'm geeking <laughs> out on that stuff. Yeah. I think yeah, it's pretty are. cool. But yeah, well, we all have our things that you know send us off. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of ships. Uh... Did anybody notice that the Surak suddenly turns into just like a mini me Excelsior? Oh my god! Multiple <laughs> times. I agree. Yeah. So on page twelve, good. you know, on, on page twelve where the Surak was undeniably drawn to look exactly like the Excelsior, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And then, yeah, and then when, they're, when they're veering off to get away from the sun at the last minute, 
you, you mm-hmm. like you they look it's another mini me moment right right and i didn't stop and do the math but okay so they're going at maximum warp towards the sun yeah where does 12 seconds play into that cuz if if you're going fast if you're going maximum warp you would think that you're going <laughs> many, 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 many times over <laughs> yeah. the speed of light. Right, you'd be, you'd be like going solar systems, you know, in twelve seconds. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I thought that was. I, I thought I was like, man, this is. Yeah. How many panels? I don't really buy this really quick. How many panels are we real. able to see the star? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> right. All right. What I did like, um, art wise, if you look on page is it eight, um, there's this shot where they show the two crews. Um, first, the you know the crew of the Excelsior sitting on the bridge of the Surak next to a memory of the actual crew of the Surak sitting on the Surak, and they're all in their space shoot suits. Um, top top of eight. I thought it was just I don't know. There's something about that those two pictures next to each other. I really liked them sitting on the bridge, all like redacted. Oh right, yeah, in their space suits. <laughs> yeah, because they're all in the same positions. Exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, Kirk. Kirk has time to put the little armrests over his knees and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Bracing for impact. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know why I like yeah, that. And, but... and Scotty's even in the same position. I mean, his his arms are behind his back, right. just like uh, Chicken. They all are. Every one of them is is they're pretty much in the same position. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you think that they would have something else to do than just stand around and watch that video? Yeah, exactly. Scotty, Scotty and. Uh, McCoy. Yeah. Oh, wait. I like this part. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's something that didn't work for me. Um, did anybody else notice it was weird that they, at one point on the bridge of the Excelsior while the crew was away, those that were left were like, hey, who's in charge <laughs> anyway? <laughs> I think it's you. And her was like, you know, I think I am in charge. Yeah. That was so bad. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was that was terrible. It's like, okay, so so Scott or Kirk actually left the ship without actually saying, "Tag, you're it, you're you're right. captain." While I'm gone, he actually didn't that, do that. And even though he didn't, they should have kind of automatically known. But they were like seriously, like like trying to have to like work it out. Well, Kirk wouldn't <laughs> have done that. But yeah. Yep. Yeah. So isn't it isn't it a horror that even says? I think uh, it's me. Uh, who <laughs> who's in charge? Don't, or actually, I think what she says is that I think we should say we should say who's on who's in charge. Someone should be in charge here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a PTA meeting. It's like the first PTA meeting, and nobody's really. Yeah, shouldn't we have a leader? Yeah. How about you, Barbara? Okay. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, you're on the bridge of a uh, bloody starship. Art-wise, what I thought was odd is if you look at the cover. It looks like uh, somebody's like robbing some guy of his purse. <laughs> I mean, you purse? said it was McCoy helping some guy, but I don't know oh. who it is. <laughs> but it looks like he's like he just knocked this guy over and he's stealing his purse. <laughs> okay, so for those of you without the cover, McCoy, and I say it's McCoy, he's got a medical bag, the likes of which I'm not quite familiar with, but he's got the strap. Anyway, it does look like a no, person. No, no, the look on his face. Nice man bag. I'm taking this. <laughs> and not only that, hey, you got a pretty nice left pack here. <laughs> Give him a fill up, yeah. <laughs> I like it. 
And then the other guy who's like directly to the to the right of those two, it's like his chest is thrust out. It's like that looks very uncomfortable. Oh. It looks like he just had an alien come out of his chest from exactly the a chestbuster. There you go. Good one. All right. <sighs> I never yeah, I, I never noticed the man bag before. I think that's great. <sighs> Uh, I, I think I think the artwork was fine. Uh, a few mistakes, typical kind of stuff. The phasers aren't drawn right in many cases, but yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad artwork. But come on, look yeah. at page three. The the transporter room doesn't that look like the transporter room from the gold key stuff? Uh, uh, deja vu. I know I said it already, but just look at it. Page three. <laughs> page three is the one that really jumped out at me. <laughs> I couldn't find the exact page. I just had the note. But it's deja vu found. all over again. Yeah, you're going to have to work that out, Donovan. Uh-huh. It's just, you know. Oh, yeah. Does. Okay. Yeah. Now I see what you're talking about. I and see that's, it. That's really a big room. Yeah. It's really. Well, hot. you know, Lin Wen did, did write some of that gold key stuff. So maybe he was just like, you know what? We need to. Uh, Fishbowl-looking transporter room. That's what I had when I was doing it back then. So like, Get right on Enough that. for me then. It's good enough for now. I don't think that's what happened. I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right anything know, else for this one? Yeah. Why? One point is that Scotty says St. Andrew's Preservus. St. Andrew Preservus. Does anybody know who St. Andrew was or why he would say that? Is there, is there a significance to that? Uh, I should know this, I, but I don't. I don't. I don't. I just thought it was weird. I just can't, like, what is that reference? St. Andrew Preservus. Anybody out there in podcast, if you know what, why Scotty would say St. Andrew Preservus. Well, maybe, is that where right the saints preserve us? Yeah. Aim, but it is actually originally further back to St. Andrew? I don't know. I, I don't know who that is. All right. What did he do? Okay. Well, Sorry. The, the flag of Scotland has a reference to to uh, St. Andrew, so... Oh! And he's Scottish, so... Ah, they're, very really, good. they're really yeah. pushing well, okay. that. So there's the answer. Okay. He did but something I don't, I don't for know the Scottish thing. I don't know if he's the patron saint of something that uh, preserves people, but... Uh, <laughs> Scotch whiskey? Uh, there you go. <laughs> yes, it pickles your liver, so... Uh... Pickles your liver. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, sorry, that was a little bit of a... Off, I just... Read it and I thought I don't I don't get why they picked on him. But if he, he's the Scottish guy, does that makes sense. He would say it. All right. Next one. Yes, I'm ready. You. All ready? right. Here we go. Star Trek DC Volume One, Number Thirty Five, from February 1987, The Doomsday Bug, Chapter Two, Standoff. Most of the credits are the same as the previous issue, with one major exception, and that's the illustrator, who is Gray Morrow, listed as the guest artist. The cover is set against a stylized blue and black spiral galaxy, with the starship Excelsior surrounded by Romulan warbirds that make a connecting grid evocative of the Tholian web and trapping the Excelsior in a simple geodesic prison. A captain's log brings us back to the very moment we left Kirk and the commander, the Romulan commander, in fact, repeating the final line, this means war. Well, after the obligatory bravado, the commander allows Kirk to explain, which follows two full pages of retelling the story from issue 34, after which Kirk insists the commander help them track the shuttle and find the Endorian carrier of the plague. The commander dismisses this as a ruse and gives Kirk three minutes to surrender. 
Kirk uses those three minutes to gather with Sulu, Chekhov, and Scotty in the hangar deck where there waits the Klingon ship from which they escaped the Genesis planet at the end of Star Trek III. He orders the three of them to deploy the ship with its cloaking device and to come up behind the commander's ship, and Kirk runs back to the bridge, and when the commander tells him his three minutes are up, a lot happened in that three minutes, Kirk explains it is the commander who will surrender as the Klingon ship appears behind him. In spite of still having an entire fleet against two ships, this convinces the commander to reluctantly listen to the Surax tapes of the plague incident. Kirk, McCoy, and Savick end up beaming over to the Romulan ship, leaving Ahura in charge this time, explicitly. Meanwhile, on another Romulan ship in the formation, the Predator, soldiers start dropping. They figure it out, and they search for and find the Andorian Patient Zero and kill him. While on the Excelsior, Doctors McCoy and Mabenga discuss Spock's condition. While the virus has not killed Spock, it is having the effect of undoing the Vulcan mind meld from his Mirror Universe counterpart, C, Issue 11, that was responsible for restoring Spock's mind after the events of Star Trek III. At Starfleet Command, Admiral Turner and Officer Rand discuss the tension that has the Romulans and the Federation on the brink of war and send Captain Stiles, who was supposed to be in command of the Excelsior, off to bring Kirk back. Kirk shows the Surax logs to the commander, who is convinced and wants to see the shuttle himself, just as the captain of the infected Romulan ship starts firing on them. Kirk offers to help, but the commander refuses as it might cause war. Both Scott on the Klingon ship and Uhura on the Excelsior wait and see what will happen, choosing not to fire. A battle ensues between the Romulan vessels, with some being destroyed, while the infected ship, the Predator, flees towards the Romulan homeworlds. Kirk and company being back to their ship, while Scotty docks the Klingon bird of prey, and they are off to help the Romulan command ship pursue the Predator, whose crew seems bent on surviving in order to, quote, spread the gift. Meanwhile, Captain Stiles as a guest aboard the Saratoga, sets out to capture Kirk and bring him to justice to be continued. So do you think that's the same Saratoga from Star Trek Deep Space Nine? Oh, I thought it was the Saratoga from Star Trek Four, because it's got the same people on it. Oh, how interesting. Oh, wow. Isn't that the ship that early on, you know, the, when the, the probe comes by and, you know, it sends it, it goes off in the wrong direction. Am I wrong on that? Probably not. You're probably not wrong, but I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't remember that either. I just recognize some of the characters on it. Well, it makes sense. And it was an Excelsior class ship too? No. That 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 is not it was not an Excelsior class ship. And I think I could be wrong here. I'll look it up while you guys continue to Okay. Scintillate the audience. <laughs> well, seeing Styles again was like, oh my god, they're trotting this guy out again. Yeah, but it didn't look like him. Like, did they not have no. rights to the character to the to the actor? I don't know. They they've had him. He's been in it earlier, and he and he looked similar. So yeah, yeah maybe it was just the artist. I don't know, but I didn't artist choice. Anyway, whenever you want to have a a jerk come in and everybody hate him, there you go. 
that guy, yeah, Styles and, comes on. And what did he even bring to the show, really? I mean, he, aside from he, being a yeah. Oh, to the show or to this uh, or to well, this to this issue? I mean, nothing I to guess, this issue, but something to the last issue. Yeah, the one that next one coming up. Oh, okay. I don't think he even brought much to that one either, except for more of the same. He did one thing. He was there for one reason. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it here in a second then. Okay. I'm surprised that the captain of the Saratoga wouldn't go across the border. I was with Styles. I thought he was supposed to go there and bring Kirk back and stuff. But uh, hmm. I was very surprised when she wouldn't cross into the border, which very good she didn't. Very wise. But I don't think that Admiral was very – I mean he was another jerk. He was just a higher-ranking jerk. Was it so, Cartwright? Uh, no, it was Cartwright, and so it was Cart. It was the other guy, not Cartwright, but the other, uh, the other, well, uh, Turner, Captain or Admiral Turner. Okay, who's been in a lot of things on and off. He was the white guy. Was a bigger jerk. He was basically saying, "Who do we? Oh, we need a really big jerk to go and get Kirk back. How about Styles? Yeah, we'll put him in here. Okay, great." <laughs> <laughs> now we haven't seen Styles in this comic since the whole. Um... It was the Al- alternate and, universe. Yeah. Was that the first issues or was that? Uh, no, it was in the was later. Yeah. Here we go. In 2286, while patrolling Sector 5 neutral zone, the Saratoga encountered a probe of unknown origin on a direct course to Earth. As the crew attempted to make contact, however, the ship was neutralized by the probe, the transmissions of which were being carried on an amplification wave of enormous power, impacting all the ship systems, Star Trek Four. Right, um, but that was a Miranda class ship. Yeah, it looks like the like the Reliant. Right. Yeah. Here it is a Excelsior. Excelsior. So maybe the writers of this knew that they were going to use the Saratoga, but they didn't have, know the details. Maybe the special effects hadn't shown you what the ship's going to look like, so that that way they even knew who the what the actors of the captain and stuff was going to look like, but right. not the ship. Still, Anyways, a good call. That was that was great. I, didn't I didn't remember even that at catch all. That. No, I didn't either. Well, that's why I'm here, boys. <laughs> to save our butts. <laughs> so what what do you think of that last line? Is it funny that Styles is and, and he says it in the next issue too. Your brass is mine. Your brass is mine. Oh god. Um no, nah, they've used that too many times, I thought. Is that PG thirteen for cursing or Starfleet is up to its brass in you know, I mean I, I just think they've used that too many times i've heard that multiple you know that's right in that in that same mirror universe episode that woman that was the reporter or whatever she said it quite a few times now that i that i think about it kirk says it so you know anyway i, I didn't i thought there were some funny lines in this three volume series but that wasn't one of them <laughs> well but they, they seemed enamored because they they do it exactly. twice right they, they repeat it again at least twice just one in this one and once, maybe twice in the next one. So you, we, we talked about how we liked that it was three issues, that they took their time telling the story. Mm-hmm. But you, you kind of hit on it in this issue, and it happens again in the next issue. They spend a lot of time rehashing what happened in the previous issues. Oh, Here yeah. it's two full pages. Right. And then they have another at least page or page and a half in the next issue recapping what happens in this issue. So – could they have done it in, in fewer issues? Probably. You know, was it was that just because they wanted to have you know previously on in case you didn't buy the last issue, or was it because yeah. they were just trying to spread it out? I don't know. They really went overboard with it. 
Right. Especially with having the so same was it filler and the same. I think same it's more everything. filler. Mm. Attention yeah. span deficit. They must have thought the uh, readers were at. Well, as we've mentioned before, these these do come out a month month apart, so I can you got you got to give them a little credit that they might not remember what they read thirty days ago. Uh, you mean you mean like a monthly produced uh, comic book? How unusual! Right, but I mean, but. You've slept since then, and you might you might need a little reminder. <laughs> okay, okay. There's one thing to have a little reminder. It's another thing to have two or three pages. So I mm. think they just went a little overboard with the recap. There you go. I think so, too. I yep. like just the little asterisk, and it says, for more information, read number 36. Right. 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 It won't cost you much. <laughs> yeah, so, I didn't have too many notes for this one. Um, I had one big note, and that is the uh, the whole plan, this three-minute plan with the Bird of Prey. Yeah. What did they do? They just showed up behind the uh, Romulan ship, and he just gives up? Yes, that's what I, yeah, I, made, I exactly. alluded to that in the synopsis, that they have this, this fleet of Romulan ships, and now there's two ships. That, that, you know, why did he say, aha, you've got me? Yeah, but, well, they're holding a gun to the uh, leader leader's head i still yeah. think that the leadership could take a hit or two before before and and allow the other two ships to destroy to destroy that prey. that yeah, little bird of prey yeah. i didn't think that worked basically um and that was a lot of stuff to get all uh coordinated in three minutes yeah i've seen well, those turbo was... lifts they're not very fast yeah yeah that that didn't work either plus they, they have get... a lot of romulan ships if they, they didn't go get... so, if they didn't go so overboard on how many Romulan ships they had in this, right? I mean, it looks like they got like five or six of them in some panels, right? And, and, and it just to get think about it, they went. He, he got the two guys from the bridge, um, Chekhov and Sulu. He calls up and gets Scotty from engineering. They all meet together on the, you know, in the hangar deck. And then he gives his whole plan out, and then they get on the ship and they take off, and he runs back to the bridge all in three minutes. That just it's just silly. It's amazing. Right. Yeah, it's... when he got back to the ch- desk and or the chair and the rock, was, like, <laughs> was he huffing and puffing? Like, <sighs> you're very you're very punctual. <laughs> Actually, I'm kind of surprised that the Romulan commander gave him a whole three minutes. I never I understand mean, why they do that. If it was a Klingon, he would only give him two minutes, max. I give you two minutes for you and your gallant crew. Exactly. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So Klingon Reverend Jim uh, gave Kirk two minutes. Mm-hmm. All right. I thought I'd mention that. So obviously uh, Klingons are badder dudes. They get one minute less than you the just, Romulans. You just figured that out? <laughs> All right. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So the shuttle bay is it is it an iris like like it is in V'ger or is it a normal shuttle bay that uh, you know ha- has that that little doorway that that opens up like the old Enterprise? I think it's got a door. Yeah, but here it that. looks like it's a little iris thing, like it opens up and then the cloak ship comes out. Hmm. What, what page are you looking at? 
when it comes out, which is on page... Um, where is it? Uh, page 7. Hmm. Hang on. So it looks like the little... Uh, sphincter-looking thing that was on... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> well, Iris was a little nicer. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Um, yeah, I don't... Is that the door coming out of it, or is that just I, the effect of the... Of the I know, thought it was the... I, I think, I it I think the it's trying to make it look like the out. door. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that looks like the iris they use to close up and protect the uh, Stargates and Stargate uh, SG One. Yeah, um, a, for a guest artist, I wasn't all that impressed with the art on this one. No. All right. L- l- for example, you're on page seven. Look over on page six in the very first panel. Look at McCoy and his eyes. Like, what is he trying to say there? I know that he, I know he's got kind of droopy eyes. He's <laughs> like gray under them. Yeah. It looks, it looks, the it looks terrible. Looks like The Walking Dead. Well, Jim, what do we do now? Those Robins have us cold. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I just wasn't impressed. No. Not as good. Eh. But I like seeing, uh, you know, I know she had a guest appearance in both films, three and four, but it was fun to have Rand be uh, a oh, character. Rand. Yeah. Officer Rand now. But yeah. Well, it's not like she did much. Well, that's funny because she'll actually be on Excelsior here in a little bit in a couple of movies. Yeah, yeah, and Voyager, don't forget. Right, but I mean, but this this whole setup is obviously Styles taking back Excelsior and and Rand's kind of along for the ride, or at least right. facilitating it at some point. Interesting. I hadn't thought it's of that. It's so cool that Sulu will eventually take it back, maybe mm-hmm. from Styles. <laughs> anyway. Um, so it's funny how humans die from the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, half-breed Vulcans lose their minds. They just um, it, right. And Romulans turn into zombies. <laughs> yeah. With eyes, oh. with, with that, they lose their pupils. Hmm. Yeah, I... And and you notice that they don't really turn into zombies until they kill the Andorian. So as soon as the Andorian died, I thought all of the affected people, both Romulans and other species, were suddenly going to turn into basically what the Andorian was, which is kind of a a carrier of some sort. So I was surprised when they start spinning it that it was only the Romulans uh, kind of wake up and become drones. Right. Well, okay, so who else was still alive that got killed by the Andorian? Spock. Uh, good point. Yeah, right. so what, if, else got, went the what if after they killed the Andorian, everybody would have woken up on the uh, Surak, but they've already shot it into the sun? Ooh. Yeah. That would have made it for a darker story. Oh, we could have saved everybody. Incinerated <laughs> them. Exactly, that's die. a good point. That's a, that's a very good point. They could have saved all those people. Well, they're dead. They're dead. Um, they weren't zombified. We have decided they had to die. So yes, sadly, all evidence of them had to go. So sorry. So when anyway. they wrote Star Trek Three, and they started making the comic books, why did the comic book series keep around that bird of prey? There's no way they could have known that that bird of prey was going to play so heavily in uh, Star Trek Four. 
But it is odd that they kept it around and brought it back every, you know, five or six issues just to remind you that it's still on the ship. Yeah. Well, maybe they did know enough about what the uh, what they were going to do in four. Well, yeah, it's true. There was only two years, I think, in between two and three, right? I think so. They were making oh, wow. it pretty quickly. At that point. So. Okay. Yeah, I think. I actually I think remember. Was... I remember being at a Star Trek convention in New York, and there was all this talk about. I think we saw a reel, if I remember, of like from Star Trek Three, but there was all this talk about them destroying the Enterprise, and everybody was like, "No, they're not going to do that." No, you know. So they they probably the powers that be knew where they were going pretty quickly. I think. Mm. Okay. It's very different than now because now we know that you know potentially the Enterprise is going to explode in the next movie, and we're all like, uh, they're going to they're going to do it, but this is so stupid. Yeah, it's, all, <laughs> it's, oblig- it's obligatory. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a very new ship, so I mean, it looks like it really was destroyed, or or so total. This they, they got to write that puppy off. You know, You're talking sorry, about State a, Farm. the trailer for the new movie. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, it's ripped to shreds, and then it then it it, it crashes on the planet. Okay, right. so so are well, we going to get gotta like make a new toy? Yeah, yeah are we going to get an know. Enterprise B? Is that or A or a. what? Yeah. B is the Excelsior. I mean, class. Well, I I know, but yeah. No, it'll be an the a. next one. The next one. The JJ version A. But right. Well, why why do we? It's we didn't have that one around long enough. I'm sorry. Two movies. That's as that's as long as the original <laughs> Enterprise got, and as far as movies go, hmm. uh, it blew up in the third it, one. Didn't it, it blew up in the third one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Okay, this good is the point. Third movie. Good point. Time for a new one. Yeah, but that was a refit. In the in the reboot. <laughs> Do you remember those those moments when you we I suddenly listen to us? But that was a refit. It was the refit. <laughs> No, you're right. You have an absolutely, but it was just, I just had this moment where I realized. Yes, we are anyway. pathetic geeks. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you got to realize that at least once an episode, don't you? <laughs> but, sir, it was a refit. Yes. Right. Old ship, refit, and then they, they nuked it. Right. This one is like brand new. It is brand new because it didn't even have April. Well,. Now we know that in the comic books it may have had April as a captain for a while, which doesn't make sense. But no, it doesn't. Uh, but we're not talking about those. We're talking about these. Yep. April was it, – it's established in the animated series. No, I'm talking about in the J.J. interview. Oh, oh okay. Because in the movie they act like Sulu's the first person to ever drive it, right? And, but then when they did the Countdown to Darkness, they introduced that there was a Captain April before Pike that – did, but it was a different enterprise, but somehow it has the same computer. I don't know. Do you remember? Oh, you're, talking, you're, talking, you're talking about the pre-comics. <clears throat> yeah, about the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The comics okay. that supposedly which, set in the continuity. Yes, which supposedly, and it didn't. Right. The only thing they did was they they told about the mud ship, which gets a reference in in the movie. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The ship yeah, that's mud. In. Okay. So the right. mud ship is good. At least that. Yeah, and what was terrible about that was that the was it countdown, which was the first series. Before the first film was really good and integrated really well and gave this backstory. It was excellent. And then the one for Into Darkness was just like, what? The, the last panel, it was like them going back to, it just didn't work. Right. You know? 
Yeah, it didn't happen. actually, that countdown is the reason why Ken and I even started doing this podcast because we were both big fans, but we didn't know that the other one was a big fan of the comic books until we were both talking about that countdown, and then we found out that we both had this background of the comic books too. So wait a minute, you were doing the podcast before the first movie, weren't you? Nope. Nope. It was, it was it was it uh, was right around the first movie is when we started. Because it seems to me like you guys have been doing this now for what like six years. <laughs> is that two thousand nine movie? Ken, Ken doesn't like it when we mention how long we've been doing it. Oh, sorry, Ken. I was saying that. <laughs> I was saying that with like a sense of awe and honor and respect. I mean, I really do. I'm amazed that you guys have um, just persevered and kept going, and it's it really is impressive. So on behalf of, you know, podcast listeners everywhere, I'd like you to know that we both really appreciate it. (laughs) Well, thank you. All two of us. I'm sure the other guy appreciates it, too. (laughs) I really do think it's an incredible achievement. And... uh, I'm impressed. I, you know, I wish I could do more of them with you because, um, but I, I don't know how you do it. So great with great, with great respect. Thank you for continuing on. Our we pleasure. should have this guy on here more often, Ken, so that just stroke our ego. Yeah, I, I know. Get us I, going another year or two. Oh, oh Brian, Brian, I, I think you have something on your nose. It's something <laughs> brown. It was. Um, I remember I used to, you know, basically mock you because I was like. <laughs> The way How are you guys spend this much time? Would you crazy? Every you, you'd say, you know, it's in the in the opening. Every Star Trek comic book ever published. And I was yeah, like, I know. Really? You but threw down the it. gauntlet. You threw down a gauntlet, didn't you? I did, I did, and it was a challenge. And you are rising. So, like, yeah, we'll be done with DC altogether here in a, you know, it, it only went to what fifty two. So. So let's just do this for a minute. So once we finish this DC, you've done both DC runs. Is that include mm-hmm. that will include all the annuals and whatnot, right? So uh, I think we got one more annual or okay. special, whatever. Yeah. Um, you will have done um, all of the first Marvel run. Okay. Uh, Marvel is one hundred percent complete. Right. That's what I'm saying. The first Marvel run. Well, and the second Marvel run. And the second Marvel run, really, because that's impressive. That's a lot. Yep. Yeah. Um, and all of Wildstorm. So we really will just have Gold Key and. Uh, you've done a few. significant amount of. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plus, we're 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 more or less we're close to up to date on IDW too. Really? No, IDW just keeps churning them out though. So I know, right? That's but a hard one to keep. Did all the early IDW ones, all those miniseries? No, and... no, no. We we got quite well, a few of those. Okay, uh, ongoing. Right. Pretty much right. up to date with ongoing, and we did ongoing, yes. many of the not all of them, but many of the other ones. Alien, Spotlight, etc. Wow. And, and we still got some of the Peter Pan and Tokyo Pop stuff. <laughs> Have we got all of the McDonald's boxes done? We did them. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I know you did uh, some of them. We got all those done. We did them uh, all. Thank you very much. Uh, those were good. And you, and you did the strips. Remember you did all the, the newspapers? Oh, that's right. Strips. We will have the UK strips as soon as, as, soon as we get that uh, IDW ver- book. Put your handley. God bless you. He's putting them out. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyways, well, thanks for the uh, encouragement there, Brian. You can make it. <laughs> cool. You can do it. So I know we've talked about it before, but what do you guys think of this artist's interpretation of Romulans or movie version Romulans? I don't we... like it. 
They look there, different there, than. There had been no movie Romulans yet, had there? There had not been. So this is. So you got to give them some credit that they the only basis they had was the, the, TV the original show. series. Yeah, I I, I yeah. didn't like the yellow, but of course I never really liked the pink either. Well, I did like the pink actually. Um, I I think I've always thought the Romulans were like the the best dressed aliens in the galaxy, and I didn't get that with this. No, I I don't like the outfits at all. The, I think the helmets are stupid, and then the <laughs> and then the captain, you know, of the zombie crew. He's got this little nineteen uh, thirties mustache going. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't he, like he the looks mustache. a little like uh, Sinestro from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Maybe yeah, not really. Yeah. A bit. Nobody, yeah. I, I found he's the got this little distracting. Yeah, it's Snidely Whiplash. He looks like Snidely Whiplash. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, I thought it was odd because because the, the original series. They kind of wore almost toga-looking things, and then right. here they're more like superhero jumpsuits. You know, they even have like the colored underwear-looking look. Right. And then those, uh, what the, those three spheres on the front of the helmets uh, of the captain? It's like, what's that supposed to be? Yeah, that doesn't worry. That's just silly. Well, but that. That uh, the 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 bumps on the helmet that is kind of from the original series. They they is had it? the yeah they had the little weird helmets, which uh, which I always thought is why the the Romulans and the uh, next generation had the prominent foreheads because because of the helmet uh, look from the original series. Just mm. making that up. That's just me trying to make things connect. Yeah, you're, <laughs> okay. you're doing your thing. You do it so you're doing your thing, yeah. man. Doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> but the helmets did have a pronounced forehead on, the, you know, in the original series. Okay. I mean, when they took the helmet off, they looked like normal Vulcans. But I always thought the helmet was a little bulky in the front. Yeah. Okay. It looked like three breasts on the front. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't maybe three. I think it was just two. <laughs> well, they got three now. Well, and some people have them on the side of their heads and the back. It's weird. I don't like it. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then one guy on page fifteen looks like he has gills. He looks like gills. He, yeah, it looks like, like creature like... from Black Lagoon gills. Exactly. Look on page fifteen. Uh, okay. And that's, yeah. that's the last of my Romulan rant. I think facial <laughs> hair. I think those are supposed to be little, little like. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he he yeah. looks like yeah he looks like a catfish. He looks exactly. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be some sort of facial hair, but it looks like gills to me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey. Anything hey. else for this one, guys? Nope. Fine. No, I'm good. All right. Well, let's see if uh, Styles gets to uh, kick Kirk's brass, <laughs> <laughs> or at least say it, it a few away. more times. All right. Exactly. Go, Donovan. Go. All right. So this is issue number 36. Came out March of 1987. It is entitled Star Trek The Doomsday Bug, Chapter 3, The Apocalypse Scenario. Uh, all of the writing staff is the same uh, as the last two. Uh, we still have the guest artist of uh, Gray Morrow. But uh, here we also have special thanks to Romulan expert Diane Duane for plotting assist. So she didn't get credit for the first two issues for some reason. All right. So the cover has a caption at the top, return to Vulcan. And then the picture on the cover shows the Excelsior flying away from the reader. 
And then we see headshots of Kirk, Savick, Sulu, Ahura, and McCoy uh, surrounding the ship in like a, a clockwise fashion. So the story starts with Styles continuing to be a jerk uh, to the Saratoga captain who refuses to enter the neutral zone to chase Kirk. Kirk is now working with the Romulan commander to track the infected ship. They get a heading and they zoom off in pursuit before the infected ship can make it to the core planets of Romulus and Remus. Traveling much faster than their Romulan counterparts, the Excelsior leaves the slower ships behind. McCoy and Dr. Mbega work on Spock, but they cannot figure out why the virus kills all other species except for Andorians, which does nothing to, Romulans, which makes them zombies that only want to spread the virus, and then Spock, who's a half-breed, and he's just in a coma. McCoy's worried that the results of the post-Star Trek III mind meld with Mirror Spock will be lost, and he will be back to his disjointed self from the last movie. The Excelsior arrives to the infected ship just as a Romulan boarding party is about to beam over. Not understanding why the Federation ship appears so deep into Romulan space, and proving that the Romulan commander did not notify anybody that the Federation ship was going to be there, the planetary commander starts to attack Kirk just as he's trying to help. Kirk orders Scotty to put all their power into the shields, even using the transwarp power. This allows them to weather all of the attacks until the Romulan commander that started the truce finally arrives and informs the planetary commander of the situation. The infected ship is disabled, but Kirk and McCoy have come up with a plan to save all of the Romulan infected. The plan is this. They're going to use the transporters from all nearby ships to link up and to actually beam the whole infected ship. They will remove all traces of the virus during this process. The Romulans agree the ships are linked up, and the whole ship is transported successfully. Free of the virus, the Romulans are just confused as to what's happened over the last few hours. The virus has actually been beamed into a large vial, which Kirk then gives to the Romulans as a goodwill gesture. Later, the Excelsior arrives back into Federation space, and they are greeted by the Saratoga, and Stiles immediately beams over. He's very upset that Kirk is nowhere to be found. Kirk has left a message for Stiles and the whole Excelsior crew. He wishes them all the best, but he has taken the Klingon ship back to Vulcan to try to save Spock. He has taken with him McCoy, Ahura, Scotty, Savick, and Sulu. He tells the whole crew that he's never worked with a finer crew in his whole life. Tears flow from several eyes. Back on Vulcan... Surak informs Kirk that Spock is being treated, but his condition is unknown. He tells them that they can stay as long as they need. McCoy takes the time to paint the hull of the Klingon ship with HMS Bounty. To be continued in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Boom. We are transitioned nicely to Star Trek IV. Mission accomplished. Yeah, really. Yeah. I actually think they did a, a, a nice job. I, I was pleased with how they yeah. brought us back. Yeah, I liked it. You know, knowing that they were going to do this eventually, I had my doubts as to how well they would do it. But uh, I think they did a good job. I thought they did a good job when they transitioned from Star Trek, the the post-Star Trek 2 comics, to Star Trek 3, the movie. 
But here, I think they even did a better job transitioning. Right. And this is now, really the only time when this happens in, in any – this run is the only time where that they really do make this effort. I can't think of another time where they really have an ongoing I, – I guess I, the new, new IDW stuff sort of had to do that a little bit. Right. But, yeah, I, I'm, I was impressed. Well, did the I, yeah, the IDW stuff really did seem to do much of a change? Because they didn't and have the to. I mean – and the ongoing, right. Well, they had to suddenly I mean, the, explain why Marcus was there. So she wasn't there in one issue, and then suddenly she was. And I think there was a throwaway line that they'd repaired the ship or something. Right. Well, there was a whole year in between, right? Right. It's in the film, so they couldn't have just kind of kept going. And doesn't the film end with them leaving on their five-year journey, right? right. Five-year mission. Right. But they were so on was, their they, they they were on their normal exploratory work. It may not have been a five year mission, but they were going to strange new planets and seeking out new life and new civilization. Just not for five years in one run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I always thought that was a little awkward, actually. Well, the original crew didn't make it for five years either. If we want to be technical about it. <laughs> <sighs> well, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because they only lasted four. Because uh, you're counting the cartoon series. Of course. It's, of that's course, that's canon. Cartoon series has two seasons, dude. Oh, did it? It lasted two seasons? Yeah, the second season had like six episodes. Well, <laughs> I guess we did have five then. Well, uh, eggs on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I say again, that's why you've got me here, boys. <laughs> keeping us honest <laughs> kudos to the writers and, and everything but I just gotta say the gimmick about the very convenient behaving affliction we already talked about that but then this whole transporter thing I thought that was kind of lame deus uh, ex Frank. machina it's a deus ex machina and they've used it before I, I hated it yep yeah, yeah. So I mean, well, it, it, it's right up there with with the you know the cons blood and and the trans war and the you know the point to point warp thing that kind of like well why even have the show anymore because right. exactly yeah. exactly you know I, yeah. I didn't like it I, I did like how they at least explained that it took a lot of effort to beam a whole ship because I think we've had another issue where they beamed a ship before too and you know we we called BS on that. But at least here, they're kind of acting like it's hard. Yeah. I think it was a Deep Space Nine Marvel one, if I remember right, that some guy had a, a ship that beamed itself while it was oh. locked. It, it, you remember? Oh, God, I hate that. Oh, I hated that. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it's bad enough you're going to beam. It's bad enough you're going to beam a ship, but you're going to beam your own ship. <laughs> right. So but at least here, they, they acknowledge that. <sighs> it, it, they have to go above and beyond. It's not something that a normal yeah. transporter can do. Okay, it, but compared to that issue, this is gold. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> you having flashbacks there, Ken? I'm having flashbacks. Uh, PTSD. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Worf had a uh, a spine replaced by transporter, fancy transporter technology, right? Is that how they did it? I thought that's how they did it. I thought yeah, she like uh, like transported the uh, 
the replacement spine right in. She didn't even have to cut them open. But what? Who wore for the spine? No, she had she had it like she had the spinal cord like out. You could see it, and then she placed it in. And I don't. I thought they. I thought they even transported it in. I, didn't they use transporter technology to actually make it in the first place? Maybe, but I know that they, like, they took it out of the tray and they placed it in. All I remember. Oh, was, I don't. Well, okay. I, I guess I must have re- misremembered it, but I just remember he was fighting the next week, and I turned. <laughs> I know. Who I was watching it with, and I was like, "He's doing pretty good since he got a new spine last week." <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the one where she says that Klingons have redundant organs for everything except for their spine? Right. So like Which they have two kind of arms. Have... Yeah. Did you see having two spines? <laughs> can you imagine having two of everything? Yeah, it'd be kind of crowded in there, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, yes, Donovan, I can. <laughs> I can. Anyway, <laughs> more unnecessary recaps. Yeah, I kind of skipped over it because uh, we just read it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, just, I mean, it, it, they did what they had to do. Um, a note that I had was that when they first named the two Romulan homeworlds, I thought, what? I thought it was weird that they had these, you know, kind of names. What were they? Chiron or something. Right. But I thought, isn't that interesting that they have two worlds? And, and the only time, other time I ever remember a reference to that was in Nemesis. Uh, oh, yeah. When it was Romulus and Remus, sure, and yeah, I mean, obviously it's based on. But what I liked about it was Romulus and Remus. I always thought, now what are the chances <laughs> that there's going to be two planets that call themselves something that happens to be two, an Earth myth? Right. Um, and I like this because they said that Romulus they actually had the name exactly. So right. they so they had a different Romulan name, which was cool. yes, and I'd never heard I'd never heard that before. I agree. So I appreciated good. that. Yeah. Yeah, so just FYI, the uh, the term Romulus and Remus as being the, the twin planets of the Romulan Empire is from the original series. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, in uh, Balance of Terror, Kirk actually mentions that the Romulan Empire is based on Romulus and Remus. Well, now who's got egg on his face? Because I always thought that it was made up for Nemesis too, and then I went back no, and no, no, no. rewatched it. Well, it, it's Rome. I mean, the... No, 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 no. I know, but I always thought the idea of a planet called Remus being a sister planet to Romulus was something that they made up for Nemesis. But it was, it's actually from uh, the original yeah, I thought it was older. Um, yeah, no, it definitely is. It's from Balance of Terror. I, I watched it. Cool. <laughs> Recently. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah. Yeah, Brian, did so, you – okay, no, finish up. I, I just wondered if no. – if... Start over. Go. I'm wondering, Brian, have you watched or read all of those uh, comics? There's like five or six issues having to do with like the big Romulan story. The you know, big where they, Romulan story. The, Rigbon, the, John, the John Byrne. John Byrne one. IDW. Oh, oh, oh. No, so, I didn't. So they give that. all that wonderful background to what led to Balance of Terror. And then there's a whole bunch, a whole big long story that talks about what happens after Balance of Terror, and it even interweaves with several Taws episodes that dealt with Romulans. Huh. Are you familiar no, with I, that? No, I, I know which one you're. I've seen it and I have it, but I haven't yet oh, read it. Oh, okay, okay. I'll get to it when we do it. Those are great. Well, actually, um, as a side note, that'll be the issue. That'll be the episode that we post this weekend. Oh, okay. So you better get to reading. Get right on that. 
anyway, <laughs> it's very cool. I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I thought it was odd how McCoy was complaining about how Spock should have a brain made of quote normal tissue, so he could figure it out better. But it's like if he did that, Spock could probably be dead right now with the rest right. of his human crew. So it's like you know, I thought that's kind of an odd thing for McCoy to say. <laughs> well, wouldn't Vulcans also turn into these little mindless drones? I don't uh, know. Are Romulans and Vulcans close enough that they would? Act the same? That's what I thought. That's They're what I, closer I than humans. Why, I wondered why it was such a big difference, too. And I'll get, you know, well, half-breed thing, you know, the half-breed. That's a so, terrible thing to say. So you should be a half-dead <laughs> zombie. Spock should have that, been a half-dead zombie. Well, he was. He was He was still alive, but... Well, he wasn't a zombie, though. He wasn't saying, oh, I must give the gift. Right, because the other half was trying to kill him. <laughs> so halfway between being dead okay. and being a mindless zombie is being in a coma. Uh, okay. I don't see where you're missing this, kid. Pretty straight <laughs> okay, <forward>. Donovan. <laughs> Got to make it all fit, don't you, Donnie? <laughs> <laughs> That's his gift. <laughs> all right, so speaking of uh, things that make absolutely no sense, uh-huh. uh let's take let's pretend like you really can beam out a virus out of somebody and put it into a jar let's uh. say that's possible <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. go ahead so that's possible do you just give it to the people that you know doesn't really kill them but will make them into mindless zombies, zombies until you until you beam them what was the point of that little little bow on the top of it or something I, <laughs> it's a gift don't it, put it next to the It's a little monitor. housewarming gift. But it kills you. You're like, here's something that kind of makes you a little drunk that all you have to do is beam yourself if you accidentally get infected. Uh-huh. But if you accidentally infect us, we just die. Here yeah, you right. go. Right. Yeah, exactly. And aren't you enemies of ours? <laughs> Let's I mean, are we on the brink of war? That's right. Yeah, we're on yeah. the brink of war. Exactly. Well, the, the Romulan was like, oh, it's a powerful weapon you have there. And I'm like, it's a weapon towards us, not towards you, because... Literally, all you have to do is sick. beam yourself. Right. Uh, I was, I did not understand that I, one. I didn't get it either. I thought that was that was a reach. They should have just thrown it into the sun. Or, or the Romulan commander should have said, "Okay, thank you for your uh, generosity. I'm throwing it into the sun as my go. my goodwill towards you." But still, you doesn't go. make sense. Still doesn't make sense. Yeah. Maybe we'll see it later. Maybe it comes back up. It's like when Reboot Kirk gives the Romulans the red matter. Oh, in the ongoing. ongoing. It's like, wow, that's mm, red matter. That's really dangerous. Okay. Not sure that's a good idea. And we mentioned earlier how great we thought that the countdown was before the the first movie. Mm -hmm. And then they also had the great spinoff Nero, which I thought was also a great lead up to the movie. Um, and then they tried to do it with Countdown to Darkness and Khan, and neither one of those two miniseries had the same impact to me than, yeah. than Nero and um, uh, Countdown did. Well, right. a, a lot of what that Countdown talked about was talking about the inflamed relationship between the Klingon Empire and the Federation. I mean, right? I mean, that, that's what mostly what it talked about. In the and, Nero and it, one or the Countdown? No, no, I'm, I'm talking... Uh, the countdown to darkness. Oh yeah, yeah, right. And then right. it set up the uh, well, the, the smuggling, the smuggling ship. It just didn't really seem like it really. 
I mean, no, you... the countdown to darkness was it was the April supplying arms to those aliens, right? And That's really what I'm saying. To... Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, because we never saw those aliens again. No, I mean, we never saw April. April again. Right. All we right. know is we just get a little bit more background that ooh, the Klingons and we we don't really get along that well. Oh, and here's a ship. Right. I, I just didn't think it added that much. Right. Where there's huge swathes of additional story that was given with the original countdown, with our favorite next gen characters. I thought what they did a great job with the next gen characters. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. But then I thought Nero did a good job with bringing in Feature and I agree. Yeah, oh I agree. my God, Feature! <laughs> I love it. Come back more. I want more Feature. Oh yeah, God! I, I, again, I just thought those were so great. They were, and and explaining actually where Nero was for all those years was it twenty years or something? I mean, how long was he? Right. Yeah. In Klingon prison time. or something. Well, long, long enough for Jim Kirk to grow up. There you go. Because because he showed up when he was born. Yep. Anyway, so. Anyways, the uh, the reason it popped in my head is that uh, this comic book kind of does the same thing that. Uh, not as bad as In the Darkness did, but it really seems like Romulus and Remus are right on the border where you could just zip to it really fast mm-hmm. or maybe even shoot a missile uh, towards it while you're still in the in the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this kind of felt the same way that, that uh, they were able to just, you know, hop, skip and jump from the border straight to Romulus, uh, Romulus and Remus. I have to say that that's one of the flaws in in Star Trek is they can be way, way out, you know, on their five-year mission, and all of a sudden they get a call back to Earth, and there they are. And Come on back. The galaxy is a small place in, you know what I mean, getting from to... When they want it to be. When they want it to be, exactly. And, and uh, so I've always had a... Are you caught up on the IDWs ongoing? Yep. Did yep. you... What did you think of the one where... They said that the Enterprise was in another galaxy in one issue, and then in the next issue it was in the Delta Quadrant, and then the next issue they were already home, even though they I didn't did have warp that. drive. Yeah, yeah, that didn't work for me at all. I, I, no. I did notice that. No. That's when they did no. that thing with the the woman that betrayed them. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cat Paradise. lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there you go. And uh, I, I didn't like that at all. I didn't think it worked. I mean, yeah. for exactly what you're saying. And then that's what I'm saying. I just don't like when they do that. They just glossed over that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was bad. I mean, how long did it take them to get to Vulcan in the first movie? Remember when they have to go, the the first movie meaning the the reboot. Oh, right. Yeah. They leave, they leave Starfleet and Earth and they get to to Vulcan in like minutes. (laughs) In like five minutes. A few minutes. Or less. Yeah. Yeah. Punch it, Sulu. Bop, we're here. (laughs) <laughs> and oh, the fleet's already destroyed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you think they'll reinstitute um, warp numbers in the new movie? I hope they do something. Because the idea that when you're going in warp, that everybody's at a constant speed, which obviously is ruined because of the new technology the the Vengeance had. Right. I just I don't, I don't like that. And then what about shields? I mean. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they didn't really do much with shields in the reboot movies either. Um, well, I think they say they have them. Yeah, I know, but they don't seem to do anything. <laughs> it's like somebody shoots somebody in the reboot. They're cutting through their hulls. It's like, 
Yeah, and, and it doesn't really feel like Star Trek if I don't hear percentages thrown. Exactly, in <laughs> I want to hear percentages. <laughs> I want, I want to... consoles explode, and I want to hear the exactly gone down another ten. Exactly. <laughs> or don't mention shields at all. That's right. Get it right. Well, and I always thought you know the whole speed thing. I love the speed thing because it makes sense to me because there should be varying speeds, but realistically. Why would you not always go as fast as you can? I mean, why would you ever say, you know what, we don't need to be there for a while. Let's just take it at warp three for the next. Because it's more stressful on the ship and the engines. Is it? Well, Scotty, have you ever watched it? I think I think Scotty has made his point more than once. He talks a lot of talk, but even even here in this comic, he's able to somehow rewire trans warp power to the shields come yeah. on yeah yeah well yeah okay <laughs> he can fine. do anything he can do anything so it, you're making it sound like people are just making this up <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> mm. 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 no i'm just saying i i like the whole idea that certain ships can go at faster warp speeds than others where the new the new continuity has kind of gotten away from that yeah okay right cool all right uh what else you got on this one I just want to mention that Mr. Thalahai or Thahai on the Saratoga is a pretty hard alien to look at. So he's on page eight. He's that like blobby guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's the space amoeba from the immunity syndrome. Yeah, he just kind of shrunk down a lot. Right. He's like the offspring. Okay. <laughs> but he's really nasty. Six eyes, kind of like a caterpillar. I don't know what he is. But he's a little disturbing. <laughs> but he has those little bumps. I, I thought he looked like a single cell organism, but oh. I guess he's supposed to be some sort of scales. I don't know. I don't. I think he's having a relationship with the Horda. Oh, <laughs> ooh. Oh, they're both there. Oh my God! Talk about a sex scene for geeks. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't tell me that that guy's in Star Trek Four. I would have remembered that. No, no he's I don't not. remember that. But you'll find a way to make him pop up somewhere. <laughs> Did you see that shadow in the <laughs> fifth minute of the scene? Yeah. Right. Anyways. Well, I, I have two two notes. Um, one was, I don't even know where it is in this episode, but it's in my notes. Um, at one point, there was a reference to Encyclopedia Galactica. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Now, am, am I right? I, I, it's been probably 40 years since I've read the Foundation series, but isn't that from Isaac Asimov's Foundation, the Encyclopedia Galactica? Uh, you're probably right, because that is not what they called it. Yeah, because it's obviously not the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Well, that's what I was but, getting when, when I read it. I thought I was thinking Hitchhiker's Guide. Maybe, maybe I'm mixing them up. Maybe that, well, no, maybe, no, maybe, that is... maybe it was. On, uh, it's been a long time since I've read the Foundation series, but uh, that sounds right. Is that the sounds one with right. the robot? Um, uh, Asimov, our, uh, I don't want to ruin anything, but he comes in towards the end. Yeah, the, the, what happens is Asimov, in his last couple of books, ties all of his series That's together right. into one thing, which is which worked actually. I thought it, it was, was pretty amazing. cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah, the iRobot series. And, yeah, it's all there. But no, they were different. Originally, that uh, the R. Daniel Overlaw stuff that was a separate series of books. Mm-hmm. And I have one other. No, there's somebody. There's some reference on page eight to Twain's Day. Twain Day. What is that? Oh, the uh, Romulan woman says that. 
Yeah, what is that? I don't know. So Romulan obviously not, obviously or, not Mark Twain, or or maybe they really dig Mark Twain like the Klingons Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't read Mark Twain until you read it in his original Romulan. Romulan. <laughs> exactly. Right. All right. So my last comment on this issue is. I thought it was odd that the planetary defense force was all women, it seemed like. And I kept thinking that maybe they would establish that one of these women commanders was the one that uh, Spock put the moves on. And, uh, oh, that, God. Uh, you really have to try to tie everything. Well, no, just because – come on. They've been doing that. Throwing, you know, They've been throwing in the you know core and all the other Klingons that we know of. Okay. We only know of like one Romulan that's still alive. I thought this was going to be their chance to shoehorn her in, and they didn't. Well, I did notice that there seems to be a, a running theme of not giving the Romulan commanders names, right? The, the Romulan commander woman in Enterprise Incident, she never had a name. This Romulan commander, he never had a name. Did the Romulan commander in, in um, Balance of Terror have a name? He does have a name. Well, it, okay. we but I, I, don't, later. I don't think it's ever mentioned in no, the show. It's not mentioned in the show. So but actually, in I, these comics you're going to read in preparation for an upcoming episode. Okay. okay. So anyways, that's what I was thinking when, when it just seemed like this is the first time we've really seen Romulan females, and she's the only one we know of. She's still alive, right? She doesn't die at the end of that episode. No. She's just disgraced. Right. Right. Allowing Spock to make the moves on oh, she- I think she does come back in a comic book somewhere. Oh, she, she comes back in the novels. Uh, there's the Vulcan Heart and the Vulcan Forge um, and Vulcan something else. There was three of them. And they they dealt with Spock being married to Savick, and then this woman comes back up. And huh. it, it's actually a good series if you have a chance to read it. Hmm. Cool. All right. All right. Anything else? Because... Uh, it's one o'clock we're here at, Brian, just in case. That's right. Know. We're time traveling, and I'm at one o'clock in the morning. Okay. Well, it was a good three issues. Got things all uh, reset for number four. So, wonderful. And they did a fine job doing it. So, I, I liked everything about this except for the beaming of the ship and the vial of goo. Uh, 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 <laughs> yep. Okay. I would agree with that. Yep. Well, and Brian, I, thanks for joining thank us. No, thank you for letting me come into the sandbox. I really had fun playing. Always do. Our pleasure, as always. Let's not not make it so long this time. All right. Well, um, we won't. You want want to just throw it out there, Ken, that we're going to do Gold Key next episode, and then that way we kind of have to do it? Oh, okay. (laughs) We we don't necessarily have to record it next week, but we can at least draw the line in the sand and say episode 2 Yes, we're definitely doing it. We need to start whittling down our Gold Key. Plus, we have such fun. So definitely, yeah. Let's do the thespian thing next time. Let me figure out what episode we need to do first. All right. So since we had so much fun this episode with you, Brian, how about you joining us next week as a participant in our third Gold Key Theater? It would be an honor. Performance. I, I would. I hope I can be worthy. Oh, you can. Uh, <laughs> but. But we have to keep people moving around. So you did a fine Spock last time. All right. All right. And well, we'll have to see. And Sulu. I, 
<laughs> so everybody has to do their Kirk impression eventually. So. All right, whatever. And next week we'll do issue number 18 of the Gold Key series. Excellent. Right. Excellent. 18. And hopefully, uh, you know, we haven't recorded it yet, but we'll have lots of other actors like we did last time, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was. Indeed. All right. Well, saying that, we'll let everybody go and be back next week. Sounds great. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on The Review. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.